I'm reminded of the scripture that says, it's in Isaiah around 50-ish. It says, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are so much higher than your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then in Corinthians, it says, who has known the mind of the Lord? And it follows that with, but we have the mind of Christ. Jesus, we exchange our thoughts for your thoughts. We lay down our low-level thoughts in exchange for your high-level thoughts. Our low-level vantage points and opinions for high-level vantage points and opinions. Because you're the king, the creator, the author, the finisher. You're the alpha, the omega, you're the beginning and the end. And we love you, we'll serve you, we'll follow where you lead us. There's nothing that stands against us that will win. Bless your name. Praise your name. And just where you are in your mind or in your heart, give thanks to God. Say it with your mouth if you want to. We give you thanks, Lord give you praise. You ride on our praises and we give you praise because you have made us. You're our king and we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Give somebody some love around you. High fives and cool stuff. Doesn't matter. You can hug unless you have COVID. If you have COVID, don't hug people. Papa Dale, coming down for some love. All right, so next 15, 20, I want to make sure I'm bringing um, quick encouragement and things that you can actually hopefully hold on to. And uh, as I was studying this last week, I was in the book of Esther. Esther's a weird old name, isn't it? My great-grandma's name was Esther, um, but every time I say the word Esther, I just think old. I don't know why. Um, Esther, there's a storyline in here, and it's, it's really an interesting, interesting storyline. It's kind of repeated in several different books in different ways, though. And so I, I want to give us like the big vantage point of this book of Esther. And today, actually, we're in um, Nehemiah chapter 3 and 4. And when I say we were in, in the back of these planners, there's a Bible reading plan. I've just, I've been st- on that for, I don't even know, maybe 15, 16, 17 years in a row. And so when I talk about what we're reading, there are certain people that have those plans, 
we're almost out of the planners, to be perfectly honest, but there's different ways. If you want to get on the Bible plan with us, just let me know and I can get you that. Because it's really helpful when we're reading the same things. It, it honestly is. It keeps us on the same page in a lot of ways. But what I was going to say is Esther was last week, Nehemiah was this week, and there's themes that are there. It's like a reproducing theme, and I want to kind of give you the vantage point. Something bad comes against the people. Put your hand up. I'm going to make you do things today. Say, I'm the people. I'm the people, right? You're the people. I'm the people. So, we the people. Something bad comes against the people. And in both contexts, it was not just individual people, although individuals have bad things show up on a regular basis. But this is talking about the greater people, right? This is talking about the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. So when I read that, I feel like it's very similar to what's going on in our current society. It is not something bad coming against the people. And we, the people, right? We need to rally and we need to do what it requires for the voice of God to not be snuffed out by a culture that doesn't want him anymore, right? And so we, the people, need to make sure that we're listening very intently to what God's saying so that we can do what it is that he's calling us to do. That's always the case. Every single day, if you or I would listen, God's always saying something, and he's always wanting you to do something. Always. It could just be, hey, Savannah, the spirit, right? Hey, Savannah, I don't know what his voice sounds like in your head, but hey, Savannah, Junior needs a hug today because he's whatever, or it's probably the other way around, I'm guessing, but there's always practical things that God gives us to do, and when we do the practical thing, typically miracles, actual miracles happen, like real ones, and so it's really cool to think that as young people, Bentley's age, Bentley could hear from God, and then he could go do something, and a miracle could happen. That's real, and we've got to think that way. We can't think stagnantly about who God is. And so, Book of Esther, I want to give us just like the general run-through. Say four characters. Four characters. There were four primary characters in the Book of Esther. I'm going to set it up five minutes, and then I'm going to take us through a couple scriptures. In the Book of Esther, there was a king. There's almost always a king or a pharaoh or some chump, right, who is trying to inhibit, diminish, or come against the people, right? And so in this same context, the king, right, he's kind of on the fence. You know, he's kind of like, you know, I'm cool. I'm the king. And uh, I got my wife, Queen Vashti. Vashti. And uh, Queen Vashti, she just ticked me off. So I'm done with Queen Vashti, says the king. We're done, right? Queen Vashti gets set aside, but that set the stage for God to reposition his people, right? Set the stage for God to reposition his people. So he puts out this edict across all of the land, and he says, bring me every good-looking babe <laughs> from around. And so all the good-looking babes show up, and Mordecai, Say Mordecai. 
is character number two. So you got the king and you got Mordecai. Mordecai is kind of like the, the uncle slash took over as dad of Esther. So he's like, oh, dang, well, Esther's a good-looking babe. And so I think I should get Esther in the running to be the queen. So he does. And it says in one passage, it says that, I should actually give you a specific verse. Esther, as she's in the running, like they're doing them up. They're doing, seriously, they're doing their hair. They're bathing them in perfumes. They're rubbing oils on the girls. They're making sure their nails are all manicured because then they're going to bring them before the king and the king's going to sit back and be like, hey, babe. That was a year-long process to get these gals ready. Hey, babe. Hey, babe. And then Esther walks in and he's like, I really like Esther, right? You guys see what's going on here. This is the real story. It's more funny when you tell it like in everyday language, but that's what it is. And so, yep, Esther is starting to find favor. And Mordecai, Mordecai was, a, was what we would say a crew member. Say crew. Okay, we have four values around here at Triple Fect. Value number one is sit with the Spirit every single day. That's value number one. Value number two is you need a crew. Value number three is we're people of mission. Value number four is we celebrate. That's it. Got them simplified after about 15 years. It's funny how time will just distill things down, sweep all the other stuff away. But Mordecai was a good crew member, a good friend to Esther. Yes, uncle, dad, but we know that once we start to get a little older, I mean, I'm Caden's dad, but, but honestly, there's a friendship there that's, that's so real to me. Like, I look to him as a, as a friend and as a brother in Christ now, which is a little different, right, since I'm his dad. But I love that. And so that relationship's starting to happen. And so Mordecai's sitting at the, at the gate, and he's just pacing back and forth, and he's listening. How's Esther doing in there, right? He's like, he's waiting at the locker room door, like, how's it going to go, Right? He's just pacing back and forth, and he's doing his thing. And he, so he's being a crew member, a good one. He's thinking of and praying for and doing all the things that good crew members should do for one another. Right, he's Supporting. He's in full support of Esther. And so Esther ends up becoming the queen. Right, Say queen mother. I'm glad you didn't say the queen mother, for those of you who know what that is. If you don't, stay pure. Good job. All right, I'll move on. So Esther becomes the queen. But God does weird things. He positions your life and my life in, in really interesting positions, right? You get put in circumstances that keep you like, dang, I'm right here now. I really want to be over there, but I'm here, right? And I really, no, God's always doing something. He's repositioning our lives. And if we're a body of people, the circumstances that we go through, the things we overhear, the things that we see, they all should be moving the entire group, the people, in a good direction, the direction God's called us to go. Are you with me? All right, so Esther becomes queen, Mordecai's pumped. So you got the king, you got Mordecai, and you got Esther. That's three characters. In walks the fourth character. He's the villain. His name is Brandon. <laughs> Just kidding. 
He's the villain. And his name is Haman. Haman, right? Haman, he's kind of like up with the king, and he's pretty cocky, and he's feeling pretty cool. It says that in, in those days, there was, actually, I introduced Haman two verses too soon. I do want to tell you about Mordecai one more thing. Mordecai's chilling out, doing his thing. He's pacing. He's listening for Esther. He's kind of just supporting. But he hears two dudes walk by, and these two dudes are talking smack about how they're going to kill the king. And they've got this whole plan created. They're going to kill the king, right? Some real JFK stuff right here. Going to kill the king. And he overhears it. And Mordecai goes to Esther, his inroad, and he says, Esther, tell the king this is what's going on. The whole plan gets completely flipped, and then those men end up on the gallows, right? They end up dying because they were trying to kill. So now you've kind of got the stage set. In walks Haman. Haman is anti-Jew, right? He is anti-Jew. Just like today, there are people that are anti-Christ. I'm not saying they are the Antichrist, but they walk with the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist means I'm not for Christ because Christ is bossy and he's going to tell me I can't sleep around. Christ is bossy and he's going to tell me to get off the meth. Christ is bossy and he's not going to let me be who I want to be, so I am Antichrist, right? And the spirit of Antichrist is at loose in this world. The spirit of Christ is at loose within his people, right? And so this Haman rises up and he's like, no Jews. We're going to destroy the Jews. And this is why, because I was walking by and I told everybody, bow down and worship me. That's what I told them, bow down and worship me. I'm Haman. I'm the man. And Mordecai wouldn't do it. Mordecai's like, I'm not worship. He didn't say it like this, but I picture he might have been like, I'm not worshiping you, punk. You're not God. I'm not dropping down on my knee, bending a knee to Haman, right? So Haman's like, you will worship me and you will do what I say because I mandate it. I mandate you to do what I say because I am dominating as God, right? So, Mordecai won't do it. And so then Haman's like, I'm going to devise a plan. I'm going to devise a plan. We're going to not only exterminate the Jews, we're going to exterminate everyone and wipe them off the face of the earth. Haman walked with the same spirit as Hitler. Haman walked with the same spirit as Hitler. Anti-Christ, anti-Jew, anti well, we know that God chose the Jews because Jesus was one, right? He picked this little tiny nation of Israel to show that the world that he is real. Did you catch that? Call little tiny little bitty nation of Israel, little bitty one. He picked it because God chooses the small things to shame the big things, chooses the weak things to overthrow the strong things. Chooses rejects, right? 
like us. Some of you are like, I'm not a reject. Well, become one because that's who he chooses. Um, he picked little Israel and he said, I'm going to show my favor to that little country and I'm going to prove that I am real through Israel. Right? So Haman is anti and he's trying to wipe it out. And that same spirit, I do want to say, is at loose today. And you know that. And I'm, I'm just kind of bringing the scripture into the context. They're trying to snuff out the voice of the Lord, but using tactics that are actually more deceptive, like, oh, we're just going to pick this issue and pick this issue and pick this issue. But really, all of those issues are big issues to God. And so there's a slide and a, a seeking to destroy. And if you keep reading the book, I'm in the Old Testament now, but if you keep reading all the way through the New Testament, this continues to happen. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And so what I'm trying to say, and I'll bring back, it's, this is going to turn into a tone of joy, right? But we've got we've to have real conversation about this, right? Do we? Okay. So... Esther becomes queen, Mordecai saves the king, Haman starts to plot against the Jews, and he's figuring out how to wipe them out, and he picks the 12th month on the 13th day. This is going to show up as important three weeks from now, because I'm going to talk about this same story for the next three weeks. So the 12th month of the 13th day, there was a day where the, he sends out, Haman sends out this edict, and he's like, hey, we're wiping them all out on this day, just want to let them know, let them know, hey, we're all going to be on the same page. Let's slaughter the Jews on this day. So now <clears throat> Esther then catches word of this through Mordecai. Again, Mordecai brings a word, right, and says to Esther, hey, Esther, we've got a problem here. See, the king doesn't know it, but you're a Jew, right? The king didn't know. Esther's in a queen's position. She's in the palace. It's probably not going to affect Esther. But Mordecai appeals to Esther and says in verse 13, which I think, Eric, we actually have these two verses. We could put up verse 13. Uh, did I say, oh, I did. I'm sorry. I'll read it because I said 313 and 14 from my memory, but it's 413. It's my fault. So I'm going to read it to you from here. Take that one down because you will be very confused. <laughs> it says, Then Mordecai told the people that were in the, in the king's house to reply to Esther. And Mordecai's, in some sense, pushing back on Esther and saying, Don't imagine that just because you're in the king's palace, you can escape any more than all the other Jews. I want to talk about this for a second. I think some of us sometimes sit back and go, yeah, you know, but that's not really going to affect me. That's not really going to, it's not going to hit home for me. I don't, I'm not looking around the room thinking that that's probably you because I know you, but the things that are going on, they are affecting us and they will affect our children and they will affect our children's children and it will continue to be that way until something shifts or something changes. And so then there's a classic line that shows up in verse 14. 
Mordecai is the one who said this line to Esther. Mordecai said, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise. Let me pause. God's going to bring relief to his kids, to us. He's going to bring relief. That's going to happen. No matter what, it might be heaven. <laughs> really, he's going to bring relief. He's going to show up. And so he says, if you remain silent, if you don't stand up and speak, if you don't do something about it, relief and deliverance is going to arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house could perish, could actually die. That's how serious it is. And then it's, this is the line that some of you will know. And who knows whether or not you've attained this position for such a time as this. Who knows? Who knows whether or not God hasn't put you in a position for such a time as this. So I wanted to point out, this is week two of the month. I wanted to kind of highlight the idea that, that Mordecai and Esther were crewed up. They were working together. They were, they were co-laboring, co-missioning together, right? They were focused. However, I want to make sure I don't lose this train of thought. So let me just, give me just a second. Let me pull it back. Some of you are being positioned, are being repositioned. Some of you are, have been in a position, like got put in the position ahead of time. But I believe that if you've accepted Christ and you have his Holy Spirit, that you're an agent that's meant to affect, effect, and infect the world around you. The world around you. So I'm just going to highlight, because again, this is a family talk, right? You've got Savannah working in a restaurant. you got Junior between a restaurant and River Nook. You've got, I'm doing it, bro. you got Michael, who just accepted a varsity boys basketball coaching position. Way to go. God's positioning you to affect, effect, and infect lives. I could keep going. You got Brian who works at, was it Liberty or Frontier? Liberty, like a really cool school, right? He, he is there as an agent. Cody sees a thousand people a day, literally, right? Brad and Val, you guys serve some incredible pizza. Like people talk about it all over the place. You can totally put weird things in the pizza. Just kidding. <laughs> If you start looking around, I mean, we are, this, this room is positioned to do great things, to do great things. And so we have to start thinking very intentionally about what it is that we're supposed to do. And I don't want to rule out as young people, Sage, Quincy, the impact that you have in the zones that God's placed you. These are big things. The Spirit of God is not like just dormant and chilling, right? You literally have to fan that flame and then watch that flow happen. And then when you walk, right, you touch 
literally people. It's interesting, the word triple fat came to us when I might have been 21. I'm now 41. 20 years ago, we've been using this term kind of in the background, but now it's to the foreground. It's kind of important because right now we're in a, a worldwide pandemic that's talking about infection. We want to know that sin infects our lives. It affects and infects our lives. But the Spirit of God is the reverse of that. And so when we receive the Spirit, he comes in and he snuffs out the power of sin and literally causes us to be strong and mighty and courageous to do the things we're called to do. And back in the, in the scripture in Acts, it says Peter and Paul would be walking down the street. I think they would like, kind of like, like limp walk down the street because they were cool. Just kidding. They, they, would, they were just rolling down the street. And people would line up and they would say, hey, you know, we need what you have. And, they, and, they, and they'd say, we, we have nothing to give you but the Holy Spirit. So you can go ahead and stand up. And they would stand up, right? There was a point where shadows, just their shadows would touch people and people would be healed. Shadows are intangible. You don't touch them. God's spirit is that big that if we can think and believe, it says even, I, Paul used to take a handkerchief and they would leave it and because it was in his back pocket, that handkerchief, they would just pass it around and everybody that touched the handkerchief would get healed infectious. We are the antidote to a global pandemic. Not the government. Jesus is the king. We're not on the Trump train. We're not on Brandon's bandwagon. We're not on the Trump train. We're not on Brandon's bandwagon. We're people that follow Jesus. That's who we follow. God appoints leaders and he takes them out. We're called to repent, turn from our sin, accept Jesus Christ, and live in full authority. And we got to do that. Right? Lit up, empowered by the Spirit of God, not by might. Not by my physical might, but by his. We could, this community, this is a small drop in the bucket. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So Jesus just humble ourselves before you. We bow before you. You're the only way, the only truth. Everything else has a little lie mixed in it. Shed light. Help us to see. Help us to use the position that you've given us 
not as a platform for destruction, but as one for prayer and fasting and healing. Help us to be those infectious people you've called us to be and help us to be genuine in every approach. We release all forms of bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness that we hold, whether it's within our own families, whether it's toward governments, whatever, we release them and we trust you and we claim you as the king who has ultimate authority. Heal our land. We turn to you. We praise your name. Amen. It means, uh, so be it. Be it. I'm going to give you a quick spoiler alert because I got one more minute with you. My favorite word in the Old Testament, I have, I'm a wordy. I, I get into them. My favorite one is the Hebrew word number 6213. Okay? It's my favorite word. I have another couple, but this one is very rapidly moved to the top. What that word is, is the word act, right? Act, do, make, create. It's the same word for the word fect. The word fect, like F-E-C-T, effect, effect, infect. That word fect means to accomplish, make, or do. It's an action word. So I was reading, right? And I'm like, it's always been my favorite word. And I trip out because it'll be in my Bible. It'll say like 6213 and it'll say what it is. And I'm like, dang, that's a great word. Next one. Great word. I read in, in Esther, it's coming up. The word celebrate is also 6213. Kind of interesting, huh? That's because celebration is an action something you act. It's something you make. Good celebrations, you kind of got to make them. Isn't that right? Like if you're going to throw a real good party, and the Old Testament and New Testament are packed with parties. Seriously, they were party people. They would throw parties to remember things. That was the purpose of the party. And so just celebrating, man, thank you, God, that we're we are, no matter how much you feel stuck in this world, you're redeemed by God. You've I know every person in this room has accepted Jesus Christ. And because of that, you're saved. Going to heaven. We have to make celebrations over that, right? We do. We have to be pumped about that. So that's coming up. If anybody ever needs prayer or anything like that, like there's a space for that. Um, one of the things coming up very soon is we're going to be, once we make our public announcement that the church open, we're going to be doing a, a Wayfinder class, which is just helping people find their way. Um, that's something that some of you know. We have a book that's almost in publish mode right now. It's called Wayfinder. Um, came up with a tagline last week, Eric. Do you remember it? Oh, baby. My proofreader. A wake up. It's a wake up call for the wandering soul, is the tagline. 
I've been a happy wanderer for a lot of my life, right? I have changed the tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just seeing if Eric was steel trap minded it real quick. We, Eric, my bad. I didn't mean to put you on blast, brother. It's my bad. My bad. I do that all the time. So, yeah. Anyway, we're all wanderers. We're all drifters. Drift toward the Lord, drift away from the Lord, right? So, man, like we got to stay on point. We got to help other people do the same thing. So let's stand up. I am going to, I'm going to mantra. I'll mantra out. I don't care. Oh, dang. I don't have Bash here with me. I want to give Bash a chance of redemption. Yeah, he's, he's coming. I felt bad. Put him on blast last week. All right, so we're going to see clap out. The reason why we do this is because those words that are on that screen, they actually really matter. At the very end, I'm going to say let's go. That's actually because the let's go is Matthew 28, 19, which says go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. You're called to be a disciple maker. If you have the spirit of God, you are called to be a disciple maker with no exclusion. See you, class.